Please welcome Pastor Russ Walker. Nice. That was great. I didn't get to see the hands. How many of you like the snow? Anybody, anybody there? Uh, it was so funny because I had a friend from Wisconsin that come in on Wednesday and then left on Friday, and he was coming down here to Texas to get away from the cold because it's very cold up in Wisconsin already, and then it comes here to snow. So he wanted to, go, he wanted to go up to Waco on Thursday, so I drove him up to Waco on Thursday, and all of a sudden, these little white things start um, flying down from the sky, and then we drove back in a full-on snow, it's not really a, can I call it a snowstorm? I don't know what to call it here. Um, but I, it, was, it was a blizzard, a snow blizzard. But as we were driving back, I was thinking, um, where in the world am I? I had this kind of out-of-body experience because you know, I'm driving from Waco to, down to Austin on 35, and it's, I mean, it's dark, and the snow's coming down, and the lights, and traffic is slow, and, and I, I just, it's like, where in the world am I? I have this guy from Wisconsin in my, my seat in front of me, and I think I was in Texas just a few minutes ago, and now, but it, I, I was driving kind of fast, and then all of a sudden I stopped, and I remembered, I'm not in Wisconsin, I'm in Texas. I better slow down because Texans do not know know how to drive in this. And it took me forever to get home because everybody was inching their way. But it was, it was fun. Drove into the neighborhood. What an experience. I will never forget this. I got out of my car in my neighborhood, and the kids were everywhere. I mean, it's, I guess you guys don't see this, do you? So it was a wonder. It was a, mar- a Christmas miracle, and everybody was having fun. And uh, the social media was is a lot of fun to watch, all the posts of snow and snowmen, and it was great. Get your Bibles out if you would, please. Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2 is where we're starting here this afternoon, starting in verse 10. It says, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened the treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. If you know the the Christmas story, you know that this is the story part of the Magi. But what's interesting is the Bible actually doesn't describe how many kings came to see the baby Jesus. Um, We know that there was three gifts that were given, so that's kind of traditionally we tend to assign then there's three kings that gave those gifts. But it could have been one king, it could have been three kings, it could have been 30 kings that made this trek to see the baby Jesus. And something else that might mess up your nativity set is that these kings didn't arrive with the shepherds at the stable when Jesus was born. They actually show up much later when Mary and Joseph and Jesus were back at home. But look at this in in verse 9. It says, when they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts. If you're taking notes, underline those last three words, gave him gifts. Because this is what I want to talk with you about here this afternoon, of giving God gifts. And probably what you're thinking of when we give God gifts is not what I'm talking about here today. And so I want you to think about this because when we celebrate Christmas, we're celebrating Jesus' birth. It's his birthday that we celebrate at Christmas. And I've always thought this is kind of interesting because it's Jesus' birthday, but yet we get the gifts. <laughs> Don't you find that kind of interesting? It's his birthday, but we get the gifts. And, and so uh, two weeks in two weeks, can you believe that? It's only two weeks till Christmas. So have you decided what you're going to give Jesus 
for his birthday? I don't know about you, but giving gifts for me can be very challenging. Trying to find the right gift for the one that you love can be excruciatingly challenging. I'll never forget Courtney and I's 10-year anniversary. We had talked about it earlier on in our marriage that we were going to go on a trip. I had been to Vanuatu, which are some island nations in the South Pacific over by Fiji. And, and to get there, you have to fly into either Australia or fly into New Zealand, and then you fly some more to get over there. It's in the middle of nowhere, but the, it's, an, it's just amazing. These islands are absolutely amazing. It's more second world, so you don't have to deal with all the touristy things and some of the things I just never, ever had seen before. And so we talked about that on our 10-year anniversary, this is where we're going to go. But life kind of has a way of changing your plans because we ended up taking this church up in Wisconsin and got a major pay decrease in, in doing that. And so financially, it was just not possible for us to make this trip. And so I started thinking, what can I do to make our 10-year anniversary special? Can't go on a trip, so what else can we do? And, and so I kind of had this thought in my mind that I was going to do something with Courtney's ring. And it all kind of happened because the, the, the solitaire diamond in her engagement ring had fallen out. And so I volunteered to take it to the jeweler to get it fixed, all the while thinking, I'm going to do something else. Because when we were engaged, I discovered that Courtney likes thick rings. Um, and so when I, so I had given her a solitaire for her engagement. But I end up giving her what they call a wrap, which kind of makes it more substantial. It wraps around the solitaire. But it still didn't seem like it was wide enough in what I knew that Courtney liked. So I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to find some way to make it fatter, you know, wider on her finger. And sure enough, I was able to find two rings that would go and fit just really perfectly around it to make the ring then wider on, on her finger. And so I had connived all of this. The ring was getting uh, it fixed, and that's what she thought it was. But all the while, it was getting um, these other two rings attached to it. And so the day I decided I was going to give it to her on a Sunday at church and kind of weave my message around all of this and, and present it to her at church. So I had to go the day before Saturday to get it. Now, this day was a true Wisconsin blizzard. <laughs> I mean, it was bad. You shouldn't be out on the, on the roads when it gets like that. But I had to go get this ring. A friend of mine was in for town. And so we decided we were going to go do it. We made an excuse for getting out of the house. And we make the trek into town, into the city where we actually needed to get it from, from a different jeweler about 20 uh, miles away. And sure enough, as we were driving, um, we slid off the road and got stuck in a field. And so I had to call and get a tow truck to pull us out. It was quite the ordeal. We finally get to the city, get to the jeweler. I, I pick up the ring, and I bring it, and I have all this planned for church the next day. Well, the next day, I come and do the service. I bring her up, and I give her this gift. It was fantastic. It was wonderful. I'm patting myself on the back. You did good, Russ. You know, here's the thing. We weren't going to be able to do something, and now you did something. You surprised her. She had no idea that this was going to happen. But two days later, she starts a conversation with me, and she says, so where are we going to go on our anniversary? <laughs> and I'm thinking, what in the world? I just spend... Number one, a lot of money. Number two, a lot of energy, a lot of thought. I did all this conniving to put this thing. This is the best gift ever. Can't you just tell me this is the best gift ever? Oh, no. She still wanted to go someplace 
for our anniversary. So that's why I say, I don't know about you, but gift giving is incredibly challenging for me. And when you think about it, I want to submit to you that when we talk about God, giving God a gift can be challenging as well. Because what do you give God who already has everything? You know what I'm saying? What do you give to God who already has everything? Some of you are thinking, well, I just gave him my legacy offering. So certainly that has to be a great gift, right? Come on, some of you are thinking that. Well, here's the thing. You know, as great and fine and dandy as that is, the reality is that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and his, his streets are paved with gold in heaven. How many, how many of you have ever heard the joke of the, the guy who was wealthy and wanted to take his wealth with him to heaven? You ever heard that joke before? Here's this guy, so he gets all this wealth, and he's grieved because he's about ready to die, and he, he realizes, you know, what am I going to do with all this riches, with all this wealth that I had accumulated? And so he wants to be able to take it with him to heaven. So he begins to pray, asking that he'd be able to take his wealth with him. Well, an angel appears to him, heard, overheard his prayer, and said, man, you got it all wrong. You can't do this. The rules are you can't take anything with you to heaven. Well, the man goes, well, please just go talk with God about this. Maybe you'll make an exception and bend the rules for me. And so the angel disappears, and the man continues to pray. And sure enough, the angel comes back and said, I don't know what you did, but you, you got permission. God says you can take one suitcase with you to heaven, just, just one. And so the man was thrilled that now he was going to be able to do it. So he took the biggest suitcase that he had, and he filled it with gold bars. Well, very soon afterwards, he dies, and he comes to the gates of heaven. There's St. Peter, and St. Peter sees a suitcase and says, hey, man, you can't do that. You can't take a suitcase. You can't take anything with you and to heaven. The man says, oh, no, I've already gotten permission. Go check with God, and he'll tell you. So, so St. Peter goes and goes checks with God, and sure enough, he comes back and says, it's true. So you can take one carry-on luggage with you into heaven. But I need to check its contents first before it passes in to heaven. And so St. Peter, he opens up the suitcase and to look to see what this man couldn't do without. And as soon as he opens it, he sees what's in there and he lets out this enormous loud laughter and exclaims, what in the world? This, of all the things that you wanted to bring with you, you've been pleading and begging and praying that of all the things you wanted, you could not live without, that you had to have in heaven, you brought pavement with you to heaven? <laughs> right? Come on. See, God doesn't need your money. His streets are paved with gold. You know, now you know the joke, right? His streets are paved with gold. Some of you are thinking, well, okay, well, then I'll, Pastor, I'll, I'll just give him my heart. Well, that's fine and dandy as well, but here's the reality. God is the one who created you in the first place. The Apostle Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 11, verse 33. He says, Oh, the depth and the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his past beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things, to him be the glory forever, amen. And so the question then is, well then, what can I give to God that he doesn't already have? What can I give to God that he doesn't already have? Well, I want to submit to you here this afternoon 
that there's only one thing. There's only one thing that God didn't create. He doesn't have it, and yet he wants it. You know what it is? There's only one thing that he didn't create. He doesn't have it, and yet he wants it. Well, the answer is my sin. Some of you are thinking, oh, Pastor, that can't be right. I mean, God hates sin. This is why he sent Jesus to die on the cross, to pay the penalty for my sin. God hates sin. But here's the thing. Sin is the only thing that God didn't create. He does not have it. But here's the part most of us don't understand. He wants it. God wants your sin. I think for so many of us, we have this attitude where I got to try to clean up my life and then I'll come to him. But God wants you to come to him just as you are, broken, messed up, and sinful. Actually, the Bible says God loves to show mercy. In other words, it's the best part of God's day. When you come to him and you give him your broken, messed up, sinful life. See, so for so many of us, we have this attitude where I just got to try harder. I, I got to get my act together. But you know what? You don't. And that's why the best gift that you can give God is to come and say, oh, God, here I am. Here I am, all of me. Here's the brokenness. Here's my mess. Here's my sin-filled life. And God goes, wow, what an incredibly thoughtful gift. I've always wanted this. I've always wanted you to give this to me. And so today, I want to encourage you to come before God and give that as a present to him. Give him your addictions. Give him your marriage. Give him your problems. Give him your challenges. Give him your shame. Give him your guilt. Present it to him as a gift that you're giving to him. Literally give it to him, and God can't help himself because he loves it. He wants that from you and from me. And you know what? It doesn't stop there because when you give God your messed up sinful life, then he has gifts that he gives us. Just like some of you who are really good at this, those of you who host birthday parties, not, not only do people come and bring their gifts at the birthday party, but if you're a great hostess, what do you do? You provide party gifts. You provide gifts for those who come, and that's what God does as well for us. And the first gift that God will give you is the gift of salvation. And this gift is for your past. Some of you here today, you've come in here carrying the shame and the horror and the agony and the guilt of your past. You're carrying it with you right now. But God has a gift for you that will address and deal with your past. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. See, this is a gift that God wants to give, give you. You give him your messed up, broken, sin-filled life. God has a gift that he wants to give you. How many of you have seen the movie or read the book, A Christmas Carol? Any of you? Come on, it's a classic. Yes, yes. Oh, thank you. I hear that. 
It's a classic. It's a, it's a story about Ebenezer Scrooge, you know, the main character here, and, and how he has to evaluate his life and how he has messed up his life and all the, the things that he has done. And in one of the scenes on Christmas Eve, um, he's visited by his old business partner who had died seven years earlier, Jacob Marley. And, and Charles Dickens, he writes this. He says, when the frightening specter of Marley's ghost confronts the miserly Ebenezer Scrooge, he is weighed down with a long, heavy chain. It was long and wound about him like a tail, and it was made, for Scrooge observed it closely, of cash boxes, keys, padlocks, ledgers, deeds, and heavy purses wrought in steel. When Scrooge inquired about the chain, Marley replied, I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link and yard by yard. I girded it on of my own free will, and of my own free will I wore it. Then Marley asked Scrooge, is this pattern strange to you, or would you know the weight and the length of the strong coil you bear yourself? It was as full and heavy and as long as this seven Christmas Eves ago. You have labored on it since. It is a ponderous chain. Look at that phrase again that he writes. I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link, yard by yard, and I girded it on of my own free will. And of my own free will, I wore it. What an interesting description of how our lives can turn out. So let me ask you a question here this afternoon. And that is, have you ever thought about what change you might be forging in your life? What chains have collected on you, have you created in your own life? I don't think I ever really thought about that until I was a senior in college. It's the first time I was ever kind of forced to look at this. And I want to read you something that I wrote in my journal back then. This is what I wrote. I'm home for Christmas, like usual. However, this Christmas is anything but usual. This Christmas, my granddad is very sick. He has prostate cancer, and over the previous six months, I've seen my granddad deteriorate from a strong, rugged, fun-loving guy to a guy ridden with pain and weakened by cancer. Here was a guy who, when he went to the dentist, would never have a, pain, would, would never have a shot to deaden the pain. So this Christmas, it is so hard to see him in this kind of agony. I think he's enduring more pain than I can even imagine. But this afternoon, after we had made a disaster of the living room from all the torn open Christmas packages, and after the others had begun playing card games, I sat and talked with my granddad. And for the first time in my life, I saw a side of my granddad that I had never seen before, a man broken by cancer. Not defeated, just broken. Five months earlier, he had given his life to Jesus for the first time, just kind of a side point to this. Um, I grew up... Um, as a kid, always praying for my granddad. It was something that my parents, uh, my mom specifically, who's her dad, would have us pray for. So that every meal, whoever's turn it was to pray, we always prayed for my granddad, that he would come to a salvation knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so I grew up with that as a prayer, that I constantly would pray for my granddad. And so this happens um, just um, that, that summer before the, the, that I'm writing this. And so I, 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 so I continue. So um, where was I? 
Um, so, so five months earlier, he had given his life to Jesus for the first time. He grew up around the church. He was a morally good guy, well-liked by the community, and very generous with his time and money. But cancer caused him to reevaluate his life. And one day this past summer, he called my sisters and myself and asked us to come to his house. We talked late into the evening about God and all of his questions about God and church. It was then that he surrendered his life to God. Let me just say something for all of you who are praying for loved ones. Don't give up on them. Don't give up on them. Um, it, was, it was, so in this situation, it was the grandkids. We had the opportunity of leaving my granddad to the Lord. And you know, for you who are paying for parents, it may not be you. It may be your grandkids. It may, may be extended people there. So just don't ever give up. It was one of the most miraculous things to be a part of, of was leading my granddad to the Lord right there in his, in his kitchen. Um, and although physically, it was then that he, he surrenders life to God, and although physically he has grown weaker and weaker, inside his spirit has become stronger and stronger. It's like a light turned on on the inside of him. He keeps saying, we've got to tell people about this. This is wonderful. And I, I can't exaggerate this too much because he transformed so much in this. He just kept telling people about God. He couldn't control himself because what was happening on the inside, his body was deteriorating, his body was dying, but his spirit was coming alive. He's been experiencing God for the first time in his life, but this Christmas afternoon, he had something else to share, something that he had never shared before. He started talking to me about World War II, and for the next hour, he shared story after story about what had happened to him. Finally, he looked at me and said, Russ, don't let anybody ever tell you that war doesn't change a man. War does change a man, even the strongest of men. War changed me and not for the better. My heart became hardened as a result of that war. I'll never forget that conversation. War changed me and not for the better. And all of a sudden, I saw my granddad in a new light. He had been carrying these chains since World War II, and he almost carried them his entire life to his deathbed. If it wasn't for his encounter with Jesus Christ, he would have carried those chains all the way to his deathbed. And so for the first time, I began to see my granddad in a different light. He, I could see, I could understand why he was so benevolent in one moment and then so incredibly harsh and critical in the next moment. And the reason was because he had been carrying these chains for 50 years, for 50 years. I have a question for you this afternoon. What chains have you forged in your life? What chains are you carrying day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year? You know, I, the, the miracle of Christmas to me is this, and that is that these weights, these chains that have been forged in your life, you're not doomed to carry those for the rest of your life. That your past doesn't have to control and consume your future. This is the miracle of Christmas because God has a gift that he wants to give you to take care of your past. If you'll just give him your broken, sin-filled, messed up life, he has this gift that will settle your past. And then a second gift that God will give you when you give him your messed up, sinful life, the gift that he'll give you as well is this gift a peace of mind. And where the gift of salvation is for your past, the gift of peace of mind is for your present, right here and right now. And some of you this afternoon, you're weighed down 
by the concerns of life, the problems that you're facing right now. You're carrying those things right here and right now. And the reality is if you have turmoil in your life, it comes from one of three places. It either comes from guilt, so something that you did that you shouldn't have done, or it comes from grief, the loss of something dear to you, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a relationship, the loss of a job, the loss of a dream, and you're grieving over that, or it can come from grudges, something that someone has done to you, that if you have turmoil in your life, it's coming from either guilt or grief or grudges. But listen, folks, if you'll give that to God, he has this incredible gift for you. Jesus said in John 14, verse 27, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. See, folks, there's a gift that God wants to give you, a gift a peace of mind, this gift a peace of heart. Because here's the reality. You can carry this guilt. You can carry this grief. You can carry these grudges. You can carry all these things if you want to, but God has a gift that will settle and deal with your, what you're going through presently. He has a gift that he wants to give you. And then a third gift that God will give you, if you'll give him your messed up, sin-filled life, God has a third gift for you, and that is the gift of eternal life. And where the gift of salvation is for your past, and the gift of peace of mind is for your present, the gift of eternal life is for your future. It's for your future. And the reality is for some of you, it's uncertainty that's plaguing you. It's not your past, it's not your present, but it's actually the future that is plaguing you. You're freaked out about the uncertainty of what is yet to come. You watch the news and you see the chaos that's happening in the world, and it just strikes fear to your core. You have to go to the doctor because they found something. You don't know what they're going to tell you, and so you're, you're ridden with fear. There's fear that's gripping you because of what is yet to come, the uncertainty of the future. And I, but I'm telling you, God has a gift for you. God has a gift for you to address the issues of the future. In Romans 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, folks, what we've got to get through our heads is that this world is not our home. You're just passing through. And Jesus said very specifically, there's going to be difficulty here. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be heartache. There's going to be, there's going to be trouble that you're going to encounter here in this world. But take heart. Jesus said, I've overcome the world. You need to know this world is not your home. Things aren't going to turn out always the way that you want them to turn out. Bad things do happen to good people because this is not heaven. This is not your home. You're just passing through. And God has a gift that will settle your future. So you don't have to be riddled with fear and anxiety of what is yet to come. So here's the great thing. When you bring to God your messed up, sin-filled, broken life, God doesn't look at you and go, all right, I'll forgive you. Just give it to me. Hurry up. But you better change. You better get your act together. No, that's not what God does. You bring him your sin-filled, messed up, broken life, and God says, wow. Wow. I've always wanted this. 
This is the most incredible gift anybody has ever given me. This is the best gift ever. See, but that's how God responds to us. And I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for God who settles my yesterdays, who takes care of my todays, and has my tomorrows in his hands. I'm grateful for God that he gives us gifts that addresses every aspect of our life. And here's the thing. God's not just tolerating you folks. God's not just tolerating you. He loves you. He's not mad at you. He has incredible gifts that he wants to give you. And I don't, I don't know about you for this the time of year. Christmas can really mess up people. But for me, this is an incredibly special time of year. Because 29 years ago, I came into a Christmas church service just like this. Completely messed up. Angry with God completely feeling hopeless. Life wasn't happening the way that I wanted it to. My life was messed up. I had this sin-filled life. And 29 years ago, I came into a church service at Christmas time just like this, and God reached down and touched my heart. And I've never been the same since. Amen. And I'm telling you, folks, this is what God wants to do with you. If you'll just give him your sin-filled, messed up, broken life. He has all these incredible gifts for you. You don't need to clean up your life. You don't need to make things better right now. Just come as you are, just as you are, and give him this gift. As you come this Christmas season, let this be your gift that you give to God. I want you to just close your eyes, if you would, please, because I want to pray with you here as we are wrapping up things, because maybe today something about the service Maybe he's making you aware of some of the chains you're carrying and the impact that they're having in your life. Maybe you're living with the horror and the agony and the guilt and the shame of your past. Or maybe you're weighed down with the concerns and the worries and the problems and the issues of guilt or the issues of grief or the issues of grudges that you're holding on to. Or maybe for you, you're living with the fear and the uncertainty of tomorrow. I want to pray with you because if you'll give God your messed up, broken, sin-filled life, I'm telling you, if you'll just come to God as you are, there are these incredible gifts that God wants to give you today. He wants to come and touch you right where you are so that you can know him, that you can know his love that surpasses understanding. And so I want you to just pray with you, and I, and I ask you just to pray this out loud with me. I want to lead you here. So just pray this out loud. Say this with me. God, I thank you. Say it out loud. God, I thank you that you have gifts that you want to give me. In spite of the fact that my life is messed up, in spite of the fact that I don't deserve it, you still have gifts that you want to give to me. You have gifts that will settle my yesterdays. You have gifts that will take care of my todays. You have gifts that will bring me a hope and a future. And so today, I accept your gifts, and today, I give you my sin. I give you all the messed up areas of my life. As crazy as this might sound, 
I give this to you as my gift to you. And I commit my life to you. God, you said that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. So I'm calling on you today. And I believe that you sent Jesus to die for my sins, to take my place. And I believe that you raised him from the dead. And so I'm asking that you would raise me up, that you would fill me up with your spirit. Thank you, Father, for saving me. Thank you, Father, for loving me. Thank you, Father, for these amazing gifts. In Jesus' name, amen. If this is something that you prayed for the first time, or maybe this is something you prayed for the first time in a long time, I want to ask you to do a favor for me. In front of you in the seat back pocket is one of these little cards called I Have Decided. And I want you just to write down what it is that God's doing in you. And you can just put it in the offering boxes on your way out or you can take it back up to the welcome desk. But I want to be able to pray with you and for you. And if you don't have a Bible, I want to make sure to put a Bible in your hands. This is a New Testament and just a little bit of a devotional, how to kind of start this walk with God. So you can do this, so you can learn to hear his voice and to know his purpose for your life. We're going to take communion here. I think this is such a, a wonderful physical example of something that just happened for you. Because the Bible describes for us the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this in remembrance of me. When you come to take communion here this afternoon, I want you to do something that maybe is something you can kind of visualize just a little bit, because I want you to take your gift, take your sin, take your messed up life. And when you come to take communion, bring that as your present to God, and then leave it here. Just kind of picture yourself taking whatever's going on, taking your past, taking your present, taking your future, taking up all those worries and concerns and problems and challenges and, and wrapping that up and actually bring it to God and present it to God. And then let go of it, and then take the bread and dip it in the juice and then go back to your seat and, and let this just be a moment where this exchange happens. There's two tables in front of each of the sections and so how we do this is we start with the front row and we move to the back. You're gonna exit on your right, you're gonna circle around and take the bread and dip it in the juice then circle back into your row and we'll just go from one row to other. You don't have to be a member of this church to take communion here. We do open communion which means that you believe in Jesus Christ, you just prayed that, then I want to invite you to be a part of this. So let's do this here together. Father, I pray for every one of us here as we really engage and enter into this Christmas season that, that Father, that we wouldn't just bypass this and just go through the motions of it, but God, that we could really really engage in what this is all about, and that we would truly give you gifts, that we would give you the gift of our messed up, sin-filled life, 
That God, that we in turn would receive the gifts that you have for us. That God, that we would walk differently. And Lord, I'm praying that this next year, 2018, God, would be a year of breakthrough for every single one here. That God, that you would move in this Lake Travis Hill Country area in ways that would go beyond what we can even imagine, that you would do things in our marriages and our families and with our kids and with our parents and our grandparents, that, God, that you would do a wonder and a miracle in us. And so, God, we wanted to start here today and just give you our junk, to give you our broken, messed up, sin-filled lives, Lord, that you would fill us full with all of who you are. If I can have the people who are a prayer team just come forward here, and these men and women are just always here at the end of our services to pray with you, to stand with you, no matter what it is that you're going through. And they'll just, they just linger here, and so you can come up here at any time. And I want to encourage you to do this. I feel like I, I say this over and over and over, but I need to keep saying it because our culture wars against us. And that is God never intended for you to do this by yourself. And I know this time of year can really stir up a bunch of stuff in our hearts. And so let somebody pray with you. Let God bring, bring his hope and his love in the center of whatever that is going through. Whether it's your past, your present, or the future, let these men and women just pray for you here today. If you would, grab a hold of the person's hand beside you, reach across the aisles. Let me just speak a blessing over you. As I'm doing that, why don't you just Speak a blessing over the people that are around you. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in peace, everyone. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.